Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather with your people and to consider those things that you have left for us as our inheritance, as our treasure, as our riches. We pray that you give us eyes to see and a heart to understand who you are and what you desire from us as your people. We give you thanks for adopting us and grafting us into the vine and allowing us to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be able to celebrate what your heart celebrates, O oh God. And we see in these celebrations your tender mercy and your vast love that you have towards mankind. So allow us to see in the same measure and let our heart rejoice with you as we are able to see closer through these types and shadows of, that are in your word. Reveal them to us so that we might uh, grow closer and, and more intimate with you and have an expression of embrace that glorifies your name upon the earth, O oh God. Take away ignorance. Take away a darkened understanding and a hardened heart away from you, O oh God. And let us see as a child sees. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, one of, the, one of the, the men that was closest to God was David. The Bible says that he was able to interpret. This man was amazing. He had seen all the law. He grew up in, in the Hebrew mindset to see everything that happens with offerings and sacrifice and priest and the altar and, and all the things. And he says, God, this is what he said, you do not desire these things. You don't, you don't want us to sacrifice. Uh, I, I want to find that, that verse there because um, it's, it's, it goes bizarre when he says sacrifice and offering you don't desire. Well, how could you say that if it was the whole system? Uh, Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. What you desire is, is that my ears would be opened. The whole ceremony and tradition, going to church, having a pastor, being a Christian, reading your Bible, it wasn't for spiritual exercise and religion. It was to draw near to hear the heart of God. It's to train yourself to know the Lord. And so this man was amazing, David. And so he wrote things like Psalm 27, verse 4. This is now him uh, wanting to give God the best. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord... And that's what I'll seek, that I might be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life so that I could see his beauty and ask of him in his temple. I want to get no, close to God so I don't have to be ignorant and distant and separated from God. One thing I desire and I'm going after it, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He knew that God did not want sacrifice and offering, religious. There's a lot of people that, that go through all the motions and they're no closer to knowing God. They're no closer to hearing His heart. They're no closer to serving Him better. And so He says, this thing I want. 
I want to be at your house so that I can see how incredibly beautiful you are and I could ask in your temple. And then he says in verse 5, and this connects it to this issue of tabernacle. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his provided pavilion. There's a, a place of refuge. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And there I will be on a rock that is higher than high. This is, this is what happens in Sukkot. When he tells his people, build these little booths that you can, you know, it goes against the three little pigs. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Listen, when you're sitting in one of those little tabernacles that was here on Sunday, there is no devil in hell that could touch you. Because you're abiding right where God told you to be. And it's awesome. And that's what David was saying. There could be a lot of things going on. But when I'm there, it, my translation says this, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in a secret place. The word there that he uses for in the secret place of his sukkah. Because it's the singular of Sukkot. In his tabernacle. In the place where he told me to be, I shall hide. And that place shall be high. He shall set me like on a high rock. I'll be at the highest point, indestructible. Nobody could touch me. These are all the, the signs that are behind these traditions and celebrations. In Leviticus 23 verse 40 is where God says, this is how you're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of beautiful tree branches of the palm, bows of the myrtle tree, but, uh, the willows at the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord for seven days. You could ask somebody to go into a mall for seven days, but don't ask them to come to God. Not for one moment. You could ask somebody to go on a seven-day cruise, but don't have them come and see God for seven days. And this is what God says, not so you can mourn, not so you can lament. We already went past that. It's Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year, September 24. And then it, it's followed by 10 days. And those, those 10 days of lamenting to fall on Yom Kippur, which is the last and most holy day where you're just on the floor undone about how the previous year went when you didn't seek God, when God asked you for 50 things and you gave him Half of one. And so here now is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is seven days that follows Yom Kippur. And he says, those seven days will be a time where you will rejoice. And he, he had them pick out four species, the palm tree, the, we already went through that on Sunday, the myrtle, the willow, and, and the citron or the etrog, which is a lemon and, and he says those, you're, you're, and he even told them how to wave them. And, and they were supposed to wave to the east, to the west, to the south, to the north, to the above and beneath. He says, he is king of the universe. You're recognizing that he controls all things upon the earth. Verse 41, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days every year. It shall be forever. For every generation, now like we celebrate all the other festivities, these are supposed to every year be the celebration during these seven days where 
um, and the Jewish people do, and they celebrate being in a booth for seven days, and they, they say, God, you're my strong place, you're my tower, you're, you're my pavilion, I, I'm, I'm squared away with you, I don't need a strong place, I need a strong God. I need a, a God who protects me, who looks after me, who provides for me. In fact, these, these booths, part of the, the word Sukkot, uh, suggests that it had to have um, roofs that, that had openings so you could see the stars at night. You weren't supposed to be enclosed to not see the heavens. The very fact that you were inside a booth is so you could gaze through the roof to consider a mighty God. And some of us are only seeing earthly distance. I, I, I'm, I always uh, play around with young people when I'm talking to my daughter. She was 10 years old. I said, T -t Tina, how far do you see? And I go like this. And she goes, well, I, I might see like a mile or two. I, might, I think I see like four miles. And then I go and I look up at the sun and the moon. And I say, I see millions of miles away. I look at the stars and I see million miles away. Because when we see God for who he is, he's a lot bigger than our problems. He's a lot greater than our provision. He's a lot. Uh, my friend says, Joaquin, do you have umbrella insurance? I said, I got the biggest umbrella you could think of. Because he had an umbrella of an umbrella of an umbrella of an umbrella. I, I told him, listen, I'm, I'm not going that way. I got the umbrella. Hallelujah. I got the umbrella insurance. My God is a strong and mighty God. And, he, and you know, the peace that you have when this becomes your reality. He continues to say, you're going to celebrate this every year for every generation that follows. Verse 42, Leviticus 23, 42 says, you shall dwell in booth for seven days. All that are native Israelites shall dwell in booth. It's powerful celebration. Verse 43 says that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt because I am the Lord your God. I am the provision. And you tell your kid, why are we sitting in the booth? You say, because the God who takes care of mom and dad and our family and our health and our provision, he asked us to be reminded that without him we have nothing. Hallelujah. That we can't have a strong place if we don't have God. And so Deuteronomy 16 verse 13, another passage in the Old Testament that talks about Observing the Feast of Tabernacles. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. It was actually a festival called also the Feast of Nations, Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot, but it was also called the Feast of Ingathering. God was gathering his people inside his booth. It was, it was a celebration of the harvest that had come over by the Passover, uh, the Passover, uh, which is uh, previous, um, they were celebrating the harvest of barley. Over by Pentecost, which is 50 days later, they're celebrating the, the harvest of wheat. But at the tabernacles, they were celebrating the harvest of the fruit, the grapes, the figs, the olives. It was a time of celebrating the harvest that you would have from God, acknowledging that what you had was given to you by God. So these guys were, were really excited about the provisions of God. And he mandated, you know, some of us are going to have a hard problem with celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Because it requires elation. Huge joy. Huge laughter. Verse 14, he says, it's to you and your sons and your daughters. 
It's not for mom and dad only. You shall rejoice in this feast. You, your sons, your daughters, your employees, your male servants, your female servants, and the priest. And it's even for the stranger, the fatherless, the widow who are within your reach. There's everyone. The, the, the all-inclusive God, because part of the Feast of Tabernacles was you were to invite the less privileged, those that didn't have family, those that didn't have provision. God included them in this feast. This is why when we were watching the movie last week, when these thieves come in and they break into this house, they're so excited because they get to serve a guest, and they don't know what type of guest they have. A bunch of hoodlums and thugs. But in their hearts, they said, God has sent us someone which we can show generosity and love and acceptance and embrace. Because that was part of this celebration, Feast of Nations. It, it, was, it was required during the Feast of Tabernacles to kill 70 bulls during those seven days. And each one of those bulls represented a nation upon the earth. Because God wanted his people to take the burden for those that were lost. Of every tribe, of every nation, of every tongue. God desires to save mankind. I know we have a couple of favorites and we would also exclude some people from our list of being saved. We would, we would not include anybody in our booth. Well, we only fit with my family. We only fit. But this feast of nations, this dwelling of Booth was so powerful. Let's read, uh, I don't know if we've read it already. Have we read Leviticus 23:41? Yes. We covered that already? The word feast in tabernacles is the word moed in Hebrew. It's called a special date. Every time you see the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of uh, Trumpets, it's, it's predetermined calendar dates, appointments. We're going to read this verse where it says, uh, Deuteronomy 16, 16, that there were three major feasts per year. And it required the attendance. You guys see if you guys hear who was supposed to be there. Three times of year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. You're not supposed to come to the Feast of Tabernacles and say, God, I can't recognize anything you've done for me this year. I, I haven't brought any evidence of your goodness in my life. In other words, I can't rejoice about anything. And, and it's, it's sad that any would, would try to, to uh, worship God without the evidence of his goodness. The vast expanse. I, I could sit there. I, I've been talking to some gentlemen in the last couple of days. And, and I said, you can signal out everything that's missing from your life that causes you to not have joy. That causes you to justify your indifference to God. Saying, God, I don't have enough of your blessing. I, I can't rejoice. I don't have anything to show for what you've done for my life. And so it was required for these men to bring evidence of God's goodness upon their life. 
these males needed to show up to celebrate these feasts. Uh, some of us don't even know they exist. Some of us don't even know. Exodus 23, 14, um, he shows it in another light. He says three times a year, you shall keep a feast to me. And each one of these times celebrate it in a proper light. Um, I, I was thanking God for the Feast of Trumpets that, that announced the new year. The feast that reminds us that Jesus is coming back. I told you, go see Left Behind. It's a reality. It's, it's about to take place. You want to be on fire for God at that time. You don't want to, to, to stay behind and wonder what your mindset was in that regard. What, why, why wasn't I at my best with my relationship with God? These three feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was at Passover, the Feast of Harvest was at Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering. The, the original expression of what can be considered thanksgiving. In Ezra chapter 3 verse 4, we see... Uh, Another expression of Israel keeping these feasts long after they were in, instilled amongst their calendars. They also kept the Feast of Tabernacle as it is written and offered the daily burnt offering in a number required by ordinance for each day. There was, there was all sorts and manners during these seven days. Um, the, the, the inviting of a, of a stranger into your house, a special guest was not just one day out of the seven. It was one night, every night you invited somebody to come and share the evidence of what God had provided for you during the previous year. You were telling God, listen, you've been so bountifully with me that I'm sharing your goodness. I'm sharing your love. I'm sharing your embrace. I'm sharing the table. I'm sharing my house. I'm sharing my family. And so they even uh, stepped it up a notch. They said, okay, if we're inviting an earthly guest... Let's invite a heavenly witness. Who has gone on before us so that we can show them by the witness? The Bible says that we run before a great cloud of witnesses. There's a lot of people up there that are watching our Christianity. People that have, stand, have stood before lions. People that have, have, have paid a serious price. I could imagine them saying, well, you know something, my, the air conditioner in my car broke, so I'm not going to church tonight. All these little dumb excuses we use to not serve God. Oh, I'm upset. Oh, I don't have. Or I don't know. And so they, they said, okay, we're going to invite Father Abraham. We're going to invite Isaac and Jacob. We're going to invite Moses and Aaron. We're going to invite David and Daniel. Every night, we're going we're gonna to live in such an expression that what they do is, it's not like they invite them in the ghost aspect. They celebrate what these men stood up for. They said, Abraham, you are a man of faith, and our family is going to be a family of faith. We're going to believe God. And Isaac, you were a good son, so in our families, we're going to celebrate that there's going to be honorable and good sons. And Jacob, you were able to fix your way and get back on course and become a father of nations. We're going to stop being perpetrators too. We want a change in character like you had. And David, you love God more than everybody. And Joseph, you were a prince. And so every night, the family gathers, and they not only celebrate the guests, they don't celebrate only the meal, they don't celebrate the booth, which they, they're supposed to decorate it. They're not supposed to make it strong and bold, but they're supposed to make it beautiful. They're supposed to invest time on it. 
to show God that they're, they're grateful for the goodness of God. It's a, it's a marvelous, a marvelous celebration that taps us, uh, us back into the attitudes of, of God's heart that we consider. That we consider and filter what our sick and toxic thoughts are. What, what is contrary to the heart of God. The Bible says in Zechariah 14.3, The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. And as he fights in that day of battle. This is, this is almost at the end of time. Stuff that have not been fulfilled yet. Verse 4 says, And he shall stand We have that? We're, go, we're moving now to Zechariah 14.3. And now we're on verse 4. And in that day he will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from the east to the west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half shall move towards the south. In the day that Jesus returned, verse 16, and it shall come to pass. When Jesus is returning, it says that he returns during the Feast of Tabernacles. Because it says in the middle of his return, that day it shall come to pass that everyone who has left the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go from year to year to worship the King and the Lord of hosts and they shall keep the Feast of Tabernacles. They're going to be celebrating the same mindset, even upon the Lord's return. Verse 17. And it shall be that whichever family of the earth does not come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. There's no provision for those that refuse to know God, to acknowledge God. Verse 18. If the family of Egypt will not come and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come to, the, uh, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. You want to be out of the shadow? You want to be out of the provision? You want to be out of the ark? You don't want to walk in the expression of gratefulness and, and being able to, to consider the heart of God? We're, we're going to see this even closer. We're going to see this uh, uh, in Revelations 21.3. This is the last book of the Bible. Because some people think, well, God just wanted them to do that because it's the Old Testament. But look what, it, what he refers to in the last book of the Bible. And a, a loud voice was heard in heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. There's, there's a gathering place. And the men who feared the Lord, whenever they heard God... Whenever they thought about God's return or God's presence or God's visitation, they immediately, following, um, following that sentiment, they immediately thought, sure enough, Christ better find me where God wants to find me. We're going to read that right now in Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain. He separated himself from them, and he was transfigured from before him. His clothes became like shining, exceedingly white, like snow. 
such as no launderer or earth can whiten them, brighter than any detergent or chlorine. Verse 4, And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And immediately, Peter responds in verse 5, Hey, Jesus! Let's do our Sukkot right here. Let's build our booths. Let's remind God that we have his mindset. That we are not of this earth. That we don't have investments. Our heart, our thoughts invested in the temporal. Let us make three Sukkot. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's build what, what honors the heart of God. Leviticus 23, 39. He says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, when you have already harvested the fruit, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. You shall keep the Sabbath. The first day of Sukkot was supposed to be a day of rest. You're supposed to take the day off. You're supposed to set it aside and say, you know something? There's many days of the year we're out there plowing the fields, sowing the seeds, and reaping the harvest. But God wants us to stop and to thank him. God wants us to stop and to acknowledge him. God wants us to walk in his appointed times. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says like this, For we know that if our earthly Sukkot, if our earthly dwelling place, this Sukkot is destroyed, this, this celebration of tabernacles was, we, our bodies are temporal, our, the earth is temporal. But this is not a place where you're supposed to put that as a priority. It says, for we know that if our earthly houses, this tent is destroying, it's coming to an end, we have a tabernacle from God, a house that God has provided, not made with hands, but it's eternal in the heavens. Something that's supernatural, something that's spiritual. I, I want to encourage you to build a spiritual house. It's great to have a physical house. It's great to have a physical home. I, I, this week I was talking to some men and, and they're wealthy and they, they have investments. And they, you know what? There's no end to their earthly seeking, but they're not seeking after God. They're not making spiritual provision for their home and for their children. They have forgotten a, a, a strong place. Second Peter 1.13, Peter was also reminded, he says, yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this earthly tabernacle. As long as I am still reminded that this thing is one day going to come apart. When I go to visit people at hospitals and they say, Pastor, what's going on? Why has the kidney failed? Why is the liver failing? Why is there heart failure? Why are the lungs stopping? I said, the Lord is removing those stakes of the tent that is going home. God closes down your vital signs. And it's evidence that your time upon the earth is over. It's time to move to our eternal dwelling place. And that's going to happen to 100% of us that listen to this message. That's going to happen. It's going to come the time. And he says like this, yes, I think it's right. As long as I'm in this earthly tabernacle to stir you up by reminding you, verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off my Sukkot, Shortly, I must say goodbye to this, to this earthly body I've been given, just as our Lord Jesus Christ was able to show me. 
He was able to let me understand that. It's super powerful that we even have an opportunity to hear a message about celebrating Sukkot, celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. It's supernatural. One of the two things that, that highlighted this celebration, remember, it's the happiest day of the year, the happiest season. And there were two things that happened in Jerusalem during that celebration. And they would light up the entire temple of the Lord with huge gallons upon gallons of, of bowls of oil. And they would use the, the priest's garment as a wick. And so you imagine the largest candles, four of them right next to each other. And so they would raise it up. There was four candlesticks. Um, it, it, was, it was a time where, where they celebrated and they would call Jerusalem the light of the world. They, they would make it so much light, so much shining in Jerusalem during the Feast of, of Tabernacles that you could see it from the Mediterranean Sea, which is the opposite coast. People could see the light shining from across. And so that was, that was part. They would, they, would, they would light up the temple and you could see it for miles. As, as people of God, we must shine. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. There must be something that, that is, is different than the darkness that's in this world, in your life. And so the, the other aspect was not only that they made sure that the temple was super lit and could be seen for, for miles upon miles upon miles, but they also had a ceremony which was called the, the, the ceremony, the libation of water. It was an offering of water. And, and they, in the middle in the middle of the feast, everybody went down to the lowest point of, of the temple square. They went down far, far, far down. They would grab buckets of water by the thousands. And they would climb the stairs all the way to the temple mount. And on the altar of God, they used to pour out their buckets of water. Uh, thousands upon thousands of people and it looked like a waterfall that would run all the way down and and it had symbolism it, it was it was god is going to make it rain on our next harvest god is not going to forget us and and they would stay up all night long even while the lights were lit those huge candles and then and then all that wash rushing water it says that livens anybody's life if you're dry, if you feel that you're not going to have the provisions of God, be, be reminded on him who promised the provision. You know, it's been, they said, I think uh, 3,500 years, they have not been able to celebrate the ceremony of the rushing water. It's been dry for the Jewish people. They don't celebrate. They don't even have a temple to be able to celebrate. While Kenny was preaching on Sunday here in Miami, there was the first, what they call a dry run. Let's, let's push a little water down there, see if something gets going. For the first time in 3,000 years, the Jewish leaders and teachers got together and said, we want to see the water of God run. Let's watch this video real quick.
time since the destruction of the simple, uh, the second temple, a reenactment of the faith, famous festival of water libation was held. This is at the lowest point of Jerusalem on Sunday. The trumpet blasts were ordained by God to take place. They're not doing this for fun. They're making their way to the top of the Temple Mount with the water and the priest. Music, celebration, dancing. That happened this Sunday for the first time in over 2,500, 3,000 years. It used to be a day where hundreds of thousands of people, on the day of Passover, just so you have an idea, the day of, of the sacrifices and offering, they would bring 250,000 bulls to be sacrificed. You imagine the immensity of blood that was running. Well, on this day, the water would come down from the temple's altar like crashing down to such a degree that we're going to see a glimpse of Jesus in the midst of that celebration in John chapter 7 where he says on the last and final day, verse 37, John 7, 37, this is what Jesus said in his lifetime. On the last day, 
the great and final day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You imagine being in a place where, where crashing, unlimited, unboundless, tons of water were crashing through the streets of Jerusalem. And for Jesus to stand up and say, you know something? The only thing you guys are celebrating is who I am for your life. Amen. Who I am for your life. And he says there in verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus had not been glorified. This is what, what was celebrated from Isaiah in chapter 12. When he said like this in verse 3, therefore with joy come and draw water from the wells of salvation. That's what Isaiah was seeing when he was seeing the, the feast of tabernacles celebrated in his day. There's an unendless well of God's favor and salvation to mankind that we need to connect with. That we, we need to be a part of. And during that seven days, they would sing the songs of, of Psalm 120 to 134. There were 14 psalms and they were called the songs of ascent. You could read them at home since we're celebrating Feast of Tabernacles. And the first one, uh, uh, what is Psalm 120, says, you know something, Lord? Uh, I cry out to you because I need you. This, this starts out very, uh, at the very bottom in distress. He says in, in, in uh, Psalm 120, verse 1, In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. All the way at the bottom, we're just scooping up the first part of this water that is to run. Deliver my soul. Save me from sharp arrows. Woe is me. I'm, I'm surrounded by enemies. My soul has been hanging out too long with those who hate peace. Look what it says there in verse 6. Isn't that crazy? My, I've been surrounded with those who don't celebrate God's goodness. Who don't even know about the Feast of Tabernacles. It's been too long. And so he's at the bottom. He says, when I raise a banner to speak for peace, verse 7, they speak for war. They're, not, they're, they're against God 100%. You tell them that God is their refreshing, they said, no, I, got, I dug myself a little hole. I have my other place. So verse 121, Psalm 121, raises up a little bit. If I'm in this condition... Verse Psalm 121.1, he says, I'm so low that I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills. Where is my help coming from? Verse 2, my help is coming from the Lord. He's the one that made heaven and earth. He's not going to let my foot to, uh, to be moved. He will, he's not going to sleep on me. He who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. And so for 14 Psalms, you get the expression of people that are getting closer and closer to the purpose of God. Closer and closer, he comes to the understanding in Psalm 127, which is part of the songs of ascent. If God doesn't build my life, I'm wasting my time. Amen. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds our home, we're wasting our time. Unless the Lord protects us, it doesn't matter what security systems we have. The watchman stays awake in vain. 
And then he gets to Psalm 133, where he says, Behold how good and blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together. Now you're not thinking of you. You're thinking, I have enough provision from God. I'm able to think about others. Amen. I'm about, I could invest my time in the life of others because my provision comes from the Lord. He says it there, for the brethren to dwell together in unity. They're in that Sukkot. They're in that Sukkot. They're in that tabernacle. They're in that dwelling place all together, showing God that they could live together. They could invite someone else. And so there, verse 2, it says, there is where Lord commands the oil to run, his provision from heaven. Verse 3, the dew to fall, for the Lord commands blessing and abundant life in that place. And it finishes at the height of the temple mount and on the altar before they're about to pour out their water libation, their sacrifice of water, which speaks of their life, that it overflows with God. And he says, behold, Psalm 134, verse 1. Blessed are those servants of the Lord who stand by night, Wednesday night, in the house of the Lord. Who lift up their hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth. Let's stand tonight. And you know, again, these are shadows and types. These are God wanting us to connect to heaven. I... Sometimes laugh with all these novels that are coming out called the Bible Code. The mysteries of the Bible, unlocking the keys. Listen to me. Read your Bibles. <laughs> Read your Bibles. Come to church. God's going to give you more provision than you ever thought. Quit listening to the novels and to the magazine and to Nostradamus in the last days. Be right with God. Bring your hearts and line up. Celebrate these feasts in your heart. The Bible says it's not the outward appearance of religion. You say, Joaquin, well, we should move to Jerusalem because we got to sell. No. God understands that those that are, are worshiping him are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Amen. In John chapter 4, when, when the Samaritan woman says, well, we got to move uh, to Jacob's well, he says, no, lady, this is not about a physical geographical place. This is about a spiritual devotion. God is seeking those who will truly worship him, him in spirit and in truth. That word, proskuneos, those who kiss the hand of God, that recognize where God's provision is, and they're, they're saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for bestowing me with peace, with joy, with security, with purpose, with significance. You know something? There's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that you can decide will steal your joy, but I want you to, I want you to connect to to the endless provision of God. That's what, that's what he told the Samaritan woman. If you come and drink from the water I have, you'll never thirst again. Amen. You'll never lack anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pour out my goodness on you. And so I want to be there. And I, you know, the, 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 being able to come here tonight is not wasting our time. It's investing. It's pouring in. It's saying, God, I want you more than anything upon the earth. Like, like David says, this thing I desire, to be in your house all, every day, to contemplate your beauty, to inquire, to know you, to draw near to you is worth more than, than, than endless amounts of earthly treasure and provision. Father, thank you tonight for your love upon us. Thank you for these feasts and celebrations that we could see your heart, that we could be in tune with your spirit. 
Allow us to walk in the authenticity of a worship that pleases you. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. We're drinking from the endless well of salvation. The unending, boundless bounty of your goodness and love. Even tonight, Lord, allow us to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Allow us to see these things, to be the light of the world. To be able to to light a candle, that our lives would be a a light to others, not confusion. Not not things that are going to lead people astray and distracted and distant from you. Allow us to draw near through your Holy Spirit. Allow us to draw near through your word, through a deliberate, intentional surrender of humility. Give you thanks, O God, for your word tonight. I give you thanks and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, O God. We pray for your mercy upon that city, upon that people. Father, that all the plans of the enemy to destroy them would come to nothing. That you might continue to set them high in a place of protection and peace. That your promises be fulfilled upon their children, Lord, their descendants. The descendants of Abraham, O God. Your promises, just embrace them and keep them. From the evil man, the arrows that fly, the missiles that fly by day, O God. The the bombs and the terrorism, Lord. Father, surround them with your angels, Lord. Do the supernatural and keep them, O God. So that the Prince of Peace may take his rightful place upon the throne of God and reign, Lord, reign forever and ever. We give you thanks for tonight, O God, and we bless you in the house of God. And the people of God say amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.